This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So hello and welcome to the second episode of the Scottish History Podcast. My name's Owen Innes and I'm going to take you on this journey. If you haven't already listened to part one, uh, I highly suggest that you do so. Uh, we are starting off telling the story of the Scottish Wars of Independence. Now, so far I have covered uh, a little bit of Alexander II into Alexander uh, the third, the death of Alexander the third, and uh, finally we left it with the the death of Margaret, the maid of Norway, Alexander's granddaughter, and this has left Scotland in a position where um, all of its royal monarchy and uh, the royal line is is now has now ended. Um, there is no one else, so we're going to have to look for a new king. As discussed before, it had to be a new king. It could not be a queen. Uh, So the choice was always going to be for a king, a man, to take the throne. So immediately following the death of Margaret, two men came forth to state that they were the next claimants to the Scottish throne. One man was called John Balliol and the other man was called Robert Bruce. Now, Robert Bruce is a name which is synonymous with Scotland, of course, Robert the Bruce, but this is not the same man. Uh, They are, however, related. This is Robert the Bruce's grandfather. So the Scottish nobility and the Scottish churchmen were going to choose who the next king uh, was of Scots was going to be. However, they couldn't do that on their own. They had to have an intermediary. They had to have a middleman, and this middleman was chosen as uh, Edward the First of England, the Long Shanks. Now you've probably heard the term Long Shanks before. Again, if you're familiar with Braveheart, Long Shanks simply means long legs. He was known for having his incredibly long legs but a a rather short body as well apparently uh, a few other uh, kind of birth defects or growth defects if you will Um, but that's where the term comes from nothing really sinister it's his title as the hammer of the scots 
that's probably his more recognised uh, title, specifically in Scotland uh, and in England. So he was also known as the Hammer of the Scots. That might give you an idea as to what's about to come uh, in the podcasts following this. So Edward I, he was going to help Scotland choose their new king, so he invited the Scottish nobility down to England. Uh, now, it was, it was in Norham Castle, just, just again over the border between Scotland and England, just the other side of the of the River Tweed, and uh, the Scottish nobility were refusing to cross over that border, as all Scotland's matters, being an independent country, as uh, they, they were at the time. The decisions in Scotland had to be made in Scotland. However, Edward was not having any of it. Edward wanted this to be sorted out on his own land. He did say, however, Edward, that is, uh, did say that if the Scottish nobility came across and they wanted him to help them, that they would have to declare his overlordship over Scotland. So Edward would be Scotland's overlord. And essentially, if they didn't do this, Edward would bring uh, great wrath onto Scotland. The first of the men to finally agree to cross over the border into England and pledge their allegiance to King Edward was Robert Bruce. The last of the men to do so was John Balliol. Edward had placed another kind of stipulation on all of this. Again, it was it was Robert Bruce and John Balliol, but Edward had went out and found 11 other claimants to Scotland's throne and um, to make it even harder for the Scots. Uh, you know, it wasn't just going to be a direct choice between these two men. Edward was going to make it as convoluted and as long a process as possible by introducing these other 11 men. This is what we now refer to as the Great Cause. There was 13 men in total. And uh, again, it was whittled down to just two, Bruce and Balliol. And ultimately, it was John Balliol that was chosen to become Scotland's new king. Again, this is not what Scotland wanted. Scotland and the people, the nobles, they wanted Robert Bruce. They wanted Robert Bruce because he was more of a warrior king. He was a protector. And John Balliol wasn't. John Balliol was more of a materialistic king. He wanted more to do with the, the you know, the, the crown, the shiny things, the money, the the the, the fame, um, the medieval fame, I suppose. Um, whereas Robert Bruce, he was interested in actual uh, protection. He was an experienced, um, an experienced knight. So John Balliol is chosen to become Scotland's new king. He's crowned personally by Edward I of England himself at Schoon Palace on the Stone of Destiny. And uh, immediately uh, the people of Scotland turn on John Balliol. John Balliol again at his coronation pledges his allegiance to Edward. And very soon after John Balliol becomes regarded as Tomb Tabard. So that's Tomb Tabard, the empty jacket. It was believed that John Balliol was nothing more than a puppet to Edward. So Edward was calling all the shots and John Balliol was doing nothing at all about it. 
it is for this reason and a few other reasons as well, but this main reason why John Balliol is still to this day regarded as the worst king that Scotland has ever had. So much so to the point that if your name is John and you want to ascend to the Scottish throne, we will make you change your name. John is seen as an unlucky name in royalty terms and if you don't believe me, uh, go and have a look up uh, as to the real name of King Robert III of Scots. You'll find his real name was John. They made him change his name to the more lucky Robert, um, following, of course, the successes of Robert I, who was Robert the Bruce. So John Balliol, or Tum Tabard, really started getting on the nerves of Edward I, because after a while, John Balliol did grow a backbone. Um, he did actually start doing what his people wanted him to do. The The first of these was Edward, uh, like John I that we mentioned in the first episode, wanted to go to war with France. And he wanted to take Scotland and the Scottish troops and, of course, John Balliol along with him. John Balliol refused this, however, because John Balliol had land in France. He was friends with the French king. You know why? Why would John Balliol want to piss off the French as well? But this turned out to be a big mistake because they ended up pissing off Edward I. So this made Edward I rather unhappy in the first place. But then the second thing was that John Balliol actually physically went to France and signed an alliance with them. So signed an alliance with the French king. And this is known as the Auld Alliance, spelled A-U-L-D. So Auld, it's just the old Scots word for old. So the Old Alliance was essentially that kind of classic playground sort of thing. You hit my friend and I'll hit you back. So that that was basically what the, the old alliance was. Uh, so the idea was England, if England were to attack France, then Scotland would attack England and vice versa. If England were to attack Scotland, then France would attack England. The old alliance, however, did not work uh, in the outset, certainly. And this was because England's army was huge. Uh, England's army outnumbered the Scots army ridiculously. Um, but also down in France, uh, they weren't necessarily up for fighting either. So when Edward eventually did invade France and Scotland retaliated, Edward was simply able to just take half of his troops from France, send them up into Scotland and uh, the problem was essentially eradicated. But, of course, with John Balliol and the Scots attacking England, this annoyed Edward even further. So Edward actually followed his invasion troops into Scotland. Their first port of call was the town of Berwick. Berwick-upon-Tweed, as it is now known. Um, so, of course, with the word Tweed in there, you're going to know that it's near that border. Uh, Berwick-upon-Tweed nowadays is in England, but it was one of those towns that constantly changed during these times between Scottish occupation and English occupation. So at the time, Berwick-upon-Tweed was actually under Scottish occupation. 
Edward and his troops. Uh, they go into uh, Berwick, they lay siege to Berwick, they sack it over the course of three days. Um, over 90% of the population of Berwick was, uh, was killed over the course of those three days. Rumour circulates and, uh, you know, theories uh, that, that you can read anywhere do state that Edward himself did stop uh, and did call for an end of the sacking of Berwick after he saw one of his own soldiers uh, killing a pregnant woman who was actually in the process of giving birth at the time. Uh, and that was apparently too much for Edward and he called an end uh, and that's why it lasted for three days. And that's essentially why not everybody was killed. Uh, now, Berwick was a very important town specifically for trade uh, down to the Netherlands and into Germany and things like that. It's a port town, so and uh, technically still is to this day. So these, uh, so all of the ships, all of the trade for Scotland was, was essentially cut off now completely from the rest of Europe. But Edward didn't stop at Berwick, they headed further north uh, and right up into the northeast of Scotland to a place called Montrose, or Montrose, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, so that's where they find John Balliol. He's up in Montrose. John Balliol is subsequently arrested. He's stripped of his land, he's stripped of all of his titles, and of course he's stripped of the crown of Scotland. So John Balliol is no longer to be regarded as the King of Scots and he's placed in prison in the Tower of London for pretty much the rest of his life, uh, which wasn't very long. It was about another 11 years or so, but he was in prison for about eight of those and spent the last of his remaining years in France where he died. But Edward, after capturing Balliol, uh, of course sent his troops around Scotland to take over the towns, the cities, etc. But he had one last stop before heading back to England and that last stop was at a place called Schoon. Schoon Palace, that's where the kings and queens of Scotland were crowned. And this is where Scotland's throne was, the Stone of Destiny or the Stone of Schoon. So Edward goes into Schoon Palace and removes the Stone of Destiny from its place at Schoon and takes it down to England. The significance of this is that this is, of course, Scotland's coronation throne, um, and Edward had it specifically placed so the, the, the coronation throne of England was redesigned to, to hold the Stone of Destiny, and that's still the I believe still the same throne that they use today. Uh, so the stone was placed underneath, on a shelf underneath the English coronation throne. Now, to me, this is just a personal opinion, to me, as a as a proud Scot, um, this indicates that, the, that Scotland's throne is regarded as underneath the English throne, that England rules over Scotland sort of thing. Uh, there's a bit of politics in there, I suppose, but uh, that's uh, that's just my opinion on it. Everyone has different opinions, but that's the way that I look at it. So the Stone of Destiny was taken, and this is in the year 1296. Um, 
Now, The Stone of Destiny is worthy of its own entire episode, so I don't really want to tell you what happens to The Stone of Destiny over the course of uh, the next, well, 700 years or so, um, because it's got a great history to itself. So we will focus more on the actual Stone of Destiny itself on a future uh, episode. So Balliol is now removed, Edward is now back in England with the Scottish throne, Scotland is thrown into absolute turmoil, uh, Edward's troops slowly taking over and all that sort of thing. Um, but 1296 into the year 1297, this is where uh, a sort of an underground group of soldiers um, and ordinary folk really that's where they start to rise up from uh, from the ashes of the towns that are being burned down around them and uh, guerrilla warfare and that sort of thing. And this is where uh, William Wallace will come into the story. Um, however, I want an entire episode just based on William Wallace, so I'm going to, at this moment in time, leave it there. Um, so just to kind of take uh, a little bit of extra time uh, in this podcast, I, I mean, I, I would expect that over the course of time, the podcast will be a little bit better structured, of course, a little bit better recorded, and maybe a little bit better presented. Um, so I'm kind of trying to stick to 20, 25 minutes at this moment in time, so I've still got a little bit of time left. So what I would uh, just like to, to do here is just uh, bring attention to, you know, sort of today in Scottish history. I'm recording this uh, podcast on uh, Saturday the 21st of December in 2019, and that marks the anniversary um, of... Uh, the Lockerbie bombing. This was uh, an incident in 1988, so the 21st of December 1988, Pan Am Flight 103 uh, from Frankfurt to Detroit via London and New York was uh, destroyed by a bomb placed on board, killing on board all 243 passengers and 16 crew. Large sections of the aircraft crashed into a residential street in Lockerbie, uh, which is uh, down on the uh, sort of southwest uh, of uh, Scotland, and it also killed 11 people on the ground. To this day, it is still the deadliest terror attack in the history of the United Kingdom, with a total of 270 dead. Um, so, of course, I would just like to sort of bring the attention to that. If you would like to learn more, of course, there's uh, a lot more information available online. So I think that's where uh, today's episode is going to finish. Next episode, of course, I'm going to start focusing on uh, William Wallace, uh, a, 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 a true Scottish hero, a true Scottish patriot. So uh, I think that's going to be quite a, a big podcast. Whether it will be in two parts or whether it will be um, a, a much longer episode, that still remains to be seen. Uh, but for just now, I'd like to again thank anyone uh, that's listening. Um, you can follow us now on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Scott History Pod. That's Scott, S-C-O-T, History and Pod, P-O-D. Um, you've also got Twitter. 
at Scott History Pod again. Bit of a theme going on here, and of course uh, we have an email address that's um, that's Scott History Pod once again at gmail dot com. Uh, so please feel free to message and uh, you know again please share this podcast around so that uh, as many people can hear it as possible. Uh, so once again, thank you very much. I've been Oninus, and I'll see you on the next episode.